0: If you're looking for more pet health tips, you can also subscribe to my free daily newsletter at healthypets.mercola.com. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy today's podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Becker. And today we have a brand new game changer. Kara has nominated Dr. Russell Swift, and I'm so excited to be able to interview him. Uh, as a game changer, he has been a pioneer not only in the uh, animal supplement category, but did a magnificent job of making people aware about whole fresh diets and how important lifestyle is to really cultivating an animal with vibrant health. So we're very happy and pleased that Dr. Swift can join us. And congratulations, Dr. Swift, on your nomination.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here and hopefully we can, I see that you and I have a lot of uh, similar views. So uh, I think we'll have a lot in common to discuss.
0: Absolutely. So for readers and listeners that uh, maybe don't know about your colorful and incredibly important historical career contributing to proactive veterinary medicine, back up and let's start with uh, finding out a little bit more about what inspired you to go to vet school.
1: Sure. Um, The decision to go to veterinary school went way back to my youth. I was probably 12 or 13 years old, and I knew I wanted to pursue some career in medicine, but uh, it took me a little while to decide which direction that wanted to go. Little did I realize at the time that I had chosen probably the most difficult path in in medicine compared to human medicine. Veterinary medicine is far more challenging. And and of course, when I went to far fewer schools. So it was a bit of a difficult trek for a few years, but uh, I graduated in 1985 from the University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine. And from there, I started my trek into medicine. The two years working for somebody else, opened my own practice, and two years into that, decided medicine, the way I was taught in vet school, just quite wasn't all of it. So about four or five years after veterinary school, the journey began into other areas, particularly homeopathy and nutrition.
0: Yeah. And so when you, when I interview my colleagues that have pursued training beyond vet school, most of them, including myself, it, it was a blend of feeling like we didn't know enough to fix the cases that were coming in. But also I think vet school provided fantastic training for acute, you know, for, for trauma medicine. Fantastic. But it didn't really give us any tools to prevent disease from occurring. And I felt like this was just a a big, a big hole. So you go and try and find other modalities to help with that. Did you find yourself, did you have an introduction to holistic medicine prior to veterinary school or was your introduction frustration being a doctor that didn't have enough tools in his toolbox?
1: I was definitely after veterinary school, I was having some of my own health issues. And so I began to explore other options and avenues. Um, particularly nutrition. And uh, from there, I remember one of the, I went to a veterinary conference and one of the veterinarians speaking was a holistic veterinarian from the Midwest. And I remember that he was discussing using some of the alternatives, homeopathy and nutritional things, hydrogen peroxide, various alternatives in um, some of the pig farms that he had been working on. And I remember thinking at the moment that probably most people who raise animals for food aren't really ideologically motivated, they're bottom line motivated. So they want to see results. If they see results, then that's something that they're going to pursue and they don't particularly care whether that's the mainstream thing or not, but they're also not necessarily going to do something that's not working. And it really made me pause and think about the fact that if this veterinarian was treating food animals successfully, that there must be more to the practical application of these modalities that they're not just witchcraft and um, hocus pocus. I mean, I had been called all sorts of things in in my career when I started leaving the mainstream and and working more at nutrition. And of course, I found that when I did some of the nutritional things that I was told in veterinary school wouldn't work, the patients were getting better. So I started using digestive enzymes in my practice and saw um, besides digestive problems improve, I saw skin problems improve and overall health in general. And that's what started leading me on the path of enzymes raw foods. I spoke to a lot of the people who had done early research in digestive enzyme use in humans. Um, uh, The the studies on cats going back into the 1930s of raw foods versus cooked foods. So I really did take not just a uh, leap of faith. I, I really studied a lot of what was going on in the, in the industry, what vets were taught about nutrition, the fact that the veterinary schools were teaching nutrition by veterinarians who worked for pet food companies. And the one week class we had in nutrition just basically taught you how to prescribe prescription diets. It wasn't really a whole lot in, in understanding nutrition. And as I forged ahead on that path, I started learning a whole lot more than, than uh, I've been taught. And from there, homeopathy became something that I had a specific interest in for quite a number of years and still use occasionally. But Nutrition, you, you can't fix something that's not fed right. So I always focus on feeding them right first. And then if things don't improve, I look for other remedies to add to that protocol, to that program.
0: Yeah. And what you're saying just seems like such common sense. And yet we weren't taught taught that in at least I was not taught that at Iowa State. No. You know, start with start with food and see what doesn't resolve. And that just seems so logical and yet not necessarily what veterinarians do. So supplement digestive enzyme supplements and probiotics were not available at that time. I'm sure that you were kind of taking human research, human products, retrofitting them for animals. And you probably saw that that was okay, but not ideal. And so can you walk us through how you ended up going from veterinarian to veterinary formulator?
1: Well, again, um, so the one product that was on the market, I didn't find satisfactory. So I just Felt. And since I was getting out of practice, and quite honestly, uh, after, I guess that would have been about 2000, I'm sorry, long century, about 1991, <laughs> 92, um, I, was, I had actually thought I was retiring from practice. Mm-hmm. I was I had not been able to generate any sig- significant amount of traffic at my practice doing an integrative or more holistic approach. And South Florida, which is where I've been since 1965, is was not the forefront of, of integrative medicine at that point. So I decided I needed to go on to other things and formulating nutritional supplements seemed to, to fit the, uh, my interest at the time. So I started with something that I saw was working. And again, I spoke to many of the experts who were doing research on digestive enzymes, what types of enzymes, why, what the advantage of using, say, papain or bromelain is. Or disadvantages versus other types of enzymes, the pHs at which they're active, the temperatures at which they're active, and trying to formulate something, taking animal physiology into account and and what dogs' foods were being made of. At the time, I wasn't a big fan of commercial foods, but that's what was out there, and I knew a lot of people would be feeding them, so I tried to create an enzyme formula in terms of the amount of enzymes for fat, protein, carbohydrates, et cetera, that would would be appropriate for a pet uh, a pet food diet. And again, then I did a formula with the pancreatic enzymes added in. And the main reason was people were finding if they use pure pancreatic enzymes, those products are extremely expensive. And I found that by combining the plant enzymes with the pancreatic enzymes, we could save them a lot of money and still really reduce the amount of, of expense uh, on the pancreatic enzymes uh, that they would have to add additional. So they were saving a lot of money and getting, getting good results. probiotics were something that to this day, I I think with all the research that's gone on in probiotics in both humans and animals, there really is no set answer yet as to which ones are best in what situation. I I think probiotics and the the microbiome structure is is just in its infancy and its understanding. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that it's going to be a few years before we start treating in humans and animals diseases with probiotics and, and knowing that if an animal or a person has this condition, they should be getting these particular strains. I think that even the wrong strains, we may find aggravate diseases, uh, And I do believe that some of the strains that, are, that we know are important aren't even available yet as supplements. So th- that whole field is really still in its infancy. So we kind of picked strains of probiotics that were fairly universal. And again, we're not, we weren't looking to necessarily reshape an animal's entire microbiome with one supplement. Um, and yeah. we didn't want people attempting that on their own. They should be doing that with veterinarians who have some experience and could, could give them the appropriate guidance. But we were looking for a digestive support along to sort of to team up and synergize with the enzymes. And I've always believed that it's, it's not what you feed, it's what the animal absorbs that's important. Mm-hmm. So you could be feeding the best food, but if you have a dog that genetically not a great digester like most german shepherds and german shepherd mixes then you really need to support that and and if you're feeding processed foods as you've said on many of your videos you've taken all the enzymes out anyway and you need to at least put them back in so that was where i started and from there explored other areas
0: you have to you have to have some sense of satisfaction i would assume in that initially when, when the conversation about enzymes started, which you started, everyone was like in the veterinary community, what, huh? And as you mentioned there, there maybe was that one old time probiotic that sometimes worked and sometimes didn't, but you really took digestive enzyme supplementation front and center to where it's, it's a conversation that even conventional veterinarians regularly have now, which has to give you some sense of satisfaction that the conversation got started. But I would assume Early on, Russell, that there was a lot of, I don't want to say veterinary confusion, but veterinarians didn't understand the importance of enzyme supplementation nearly to the extent that they do now. That has that has to make you feel somewhat happy about the fact that you have brought on a conversation within the veterinary community that that needed to happen to improve not just digestive health, but then in turn the health of the overall animal.
1: Sure. I mean, probably the the first. And kind of controversial area I got involved in is I wrote an article in late 1990s on um, probably actually early, mid-1990s, 96 on grain food, grain-free feeding, and asking why even the holistic vets were recommending diets, homemade foods that had grains in them. And I didn't attend the holistic veterinary conference that year, but I was told by a colleague that it became quite a topic of conversation and people were really quite, some very disturbed that I had, had even suggested such a thing. And then, of course, a few years later, grain-free became the, the catchphrase. And, and obviously now all the companies have gone to these grain-free foods, and they've unfortunately substituted maybe worse ingredients than potatoes and sweet potatoes and all these carbohydrates. But that it is interesting feeling to walk into a pet store see all these grain-free foods and realize that when I wrote that article in 1996 or 2007, I couldn't really predict where that would go. And again, a lot of my vet, the holistic veterinary uh, world was not uh, quite ready for that yet, but it did. Uh, a lot of these things finally did take hold, and and I've been told by veterinarians who who were doing acupuncture now or or other alternatives that it was because they heard me speak at some group, and that it really changed their mind about a lot of different things, and yeah. at least opened their mind to investigate. So that, it is very satisfying to know that that there are a lot of vets out there today doing things that that we pioneered you know, back twenty five. 30 years ago and were considered quacks for doing. And now of course, you know, the university of Florida veterinary school has an acupuncture, Chinese medicine professor. So uh, those things I never would have anticipated back then.
0: Yeah. Well, and it has, it, it does it has to be satisfying, gratifying for you as a formulator mm-hmm. and as as sure. a veterinarian to be able to see some of those things put into action. I will say that my favorite product that you made that I started using, I don't know, feels like 20 years ago, were glandulars that mm-hmm. I, I had a really hard time finding glandulars and you made it simple and easy. So just talk to us a little bit about how you got turned on to glandulars and then in turn created great glandular products.
1: Sure. So I, my, my philosophy about feeding for a very long time has been, much like I've heard you speak about, trying to replicate the prey that the animal would normally eat. And when I had people doing home-prepared foods, uh, whether they were cooking them or raw, they really couldn't go out and buy spleens and kidneys so easily. I mean, maybe they could buy kidneys and liver and heart, but buying thymus gland and some of these other very important tissues were, uh, were not something that most people could do at their local supermarket. Um, So I understood from research that's been done, the importance of these, these plans. They've shown that for instance, they had shown that people who took thymus supplements, those tissue, those proteins went right to their own thymus and improved their thymus function. We had some background that showed that eating glands helps the matching organ in the body. But again, people weren't going to be able to get those in any way, realistically, um, in, in the commercial market. So I probably was the first one to actually take the glandular concept and, and put it out for veterinarians. And I did think that we needed something that was fairly easy to apply because at the time it was, it was not something that most people were very familiar with. And if something says it's for kidney support, anybody can use that. So we put out uh, originally, there, were the four, there was four formulas, one for just a general sort of multi-glandular and then one for extra kidney support one for extra um, immune support, one for extra endocrine support. And uh, those are still pretty popular items. And uh, I think after that, we did see some of the large glandular manufacturers move into that space and start putting out the human The human companies, start putting out their own pet line. And of course, now there are yeah. quite a number of products you can buy uh, for pets that are that are glandular. So um, I do feel uh, some satisfaction that we we're able to introduce that whole that whole idea into the, the pet nutrition world and provide another non-toxic and, and, and healthful formula, uh, uh, formulations for supporting health and wellness rather than always just trying to play catch up and treat some symptoms.
0: Yeah, and I tell you that was uh, in my exotic practice. Your your glandular for endocrine disease pertaining to ferrets, life changing, life saving first of all, but life changing. You know, it ferrets with adrenal disease actually had a fighting chance using a glandular formula, and that was kind of my first introduction to how so many species that we are denying whole foods, Uh, all animals are suffering because they're not eating biologically appropriate foods. For me, it was front and center ferrets. And my gosh, you produce some fantastic products that really helped fill in the blank. So I love that out of your desperation, seeing your own patients needing these products, you didn't just do them for yourself. you, You made them available to other veterinarians, which has been a continued blessing in our profession. When you get up in the morning, Russell, what do you love most? about what you do.
1: Well, I think that in an individual situation, what I what I really find the most satisfying and, and you, I'm sure you can relate when you, when you're t- when you're talking to pet owners, it's really a, an educational process. And there's nothing quite so gratifying as that aha moment that you have. And you're talking to them, you're explaining to them why you don't recommend dry foods, why you recommend feeding a biologically appropriate diet, how dogs today are genetically not different than wolves, in, in the, in, except in the most minor senses, and trying to feed them uh, diets that are high in moisture. Uh, I was talking about that, I don't know, probably 10 years ago now, about how dry foods are causing chronic dehydration. But you explain these things to owners, and there's the moment where they just sort of look at you and say, wow how come my vet never told me any of this that makes perfect sense that to me is really the when what i what i focus on what i practice for because at that point i know i've made a sea change and at that point they're going to now start really taking seriously the idea of feeding their pets better and of, of maybe even going to a, a, a raw food diet a biologically appropriate raw food diet uh, these are the sorts of things that that make it worthwhile doing a lot of times people listen nod their head and you know you haven't really made a change but every so often you get that one person where you just you just see it happen and they just you just change not only their life and they'll call you years later and say you changed my life because i started changing my diet as a result and and my pet lived for years uh longer than anyone ever expected and then i changed my, my diet and you've had this huge impact on me my family my not just my pets that's that's Unfortunately, not something I can say happens every day, but that's that's those are the real highlights.
0: Yeah. And that's also, I think, as practitioners, that's what feeds our souls enough to, to keep doing it because we know that there are more of those opportunities available. Yeah. Right. Russell, if there's one thing you would want the world to know, you've had a really diversified, um, significant contribution to veterinary medicine with the amazing formulas that you've created. Um I, I, I hope that you feel a great sense of gratitude towards your fe- from your fellow colleagues, including myself, for all that you contributed. But if you would want the world to know one thing about um, about what you know so far in life, what would it be?
1: Don't don't wait to get sick. Don't wait for your pet to get sick. Act proactively. Understand how your pet functions what your pet needs and 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 meet those needs now don't wait till uh the the problems start i see this all the time where people say to me well you know the the uh the heart murmur is not that bad now so you know i'll i'll wait i'll wait till next year or um yeah she's gained a little bit of weight but uh, you know why should i worry about the being overweight now it's not that bad and that kind of attitude i do find uh uh where we need to focus more, where people say, "You know something you say my dog's two pounds overweight, why well, I don't want him to get ten pounds overweight, so I'm going to work on that now. I'm going to work on changing the diet, even though my dog has no real symptoms. I'm going to go ahead and deal with those things now. so I think really under I would say that it's important that everyone take a, a proactive approach to keeping their pets well nourished and and emotionally uh, in, in a positive environment and provide them with the, the best quality of life, and I think from that, you'll get a longer quantity of life. I can't prove it, but that's my impression over many years, is that pets do live longer, and they live healthier, and they live happier, and if, when their time comes, they generally have a more graceful path yeah. um, out to wherever they go after here.
0: Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. Happy, 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 happy dead. And usually by proactive living, that quality of life maintains itself, not just sometimes not longer, but across the board, significantly better quality. And usually longevity is enhanced by making choices or at least identifying issues early and then doing what you can. It's really wise advice. And so, and I like that. And I think that that rolls over to to human health as well. So sure, really I mean, I've had, words.
1: I've had many pet owners say to me, I, I don't know what happened. She was fine yesterday. I woke up and yeah. she was gone. And I said, yeah. yeah, for an older animal, that's that's what more can you ask for, right? Better that yeah. that, that happens than that for the past four years she's been in chronic renal failure and and needing fluids all the time and suffering and losing weight and being in pain. Rather, they they just hold and uh, they hold level and then in a very short period of time, they usually, the system just shuts down and it's, it's much, less, uh, much less painful for everybody.
0: Yeah. Well, we are so thankful for the powerful contributions that you have made to our proactive veterinary medicine uh, circle, really. Um, we're very, very thankful. Dr. Swift, if people wanted to learn more about you or the products that you formulated, where would they go?
1: So they can go to uh, mypetsfriend.com. And that's mypetsfriend.com. That's one place. I've formulated for a number of different uh, uh, companies. They can also, if they would like to do, right now my practice is is just nutritional consults. I'm not in primary care anymore. So uh, I did a house call practice for about 25 years. And a few years back, I decided I was going to get out of primary care. If if you do want a nutritional consult, you can send an email, consultations at mypetsfriend.com. Uh, or just contact my pet's friend off their website either way. And we can set up a a brief nutritional consultation and give you some guidance as to what supplements may be best for your pet to support them in him or her in in the current situation. And and again, be proactive um, in in trying to prevent any future uh, age-related ailments. I think many of them can be prevented if we just got on them early. And I want to thank you, of course, for everything you do and, and, and the information you're putting out there is... Is is helping millions of pets, and you know, I never have, I don't have that kind of reach, so I'm glad you do.
0: Well, well, and it is really. This is thank you for the support. Um, I I am incredibly thankful that I get to connect with my colleagues that are doing amazing things, uh, and we're able to enhance the circle of knowledge by these modern day technologies that allow us to communicate with one another. I'm also very appreciative of Kara who nominated you for a Game Changer Award. So we appreciate all of your contributions to veterinary medicine, Dr. Swift, and congratulations on your nomination.
1: Thank you. And thank you to Kara as well. I've known her for many years and we met uh, over one of her cats and helping one awesome.
0: of her cats. So, awesome. So,
1: all right. Thank you very much.